I'm going to have us uh, study together and teach on what I've titled um, the river of prayer. The river of prayer. Amen. Amen. So first, of course, in Psalm 27, verse 13, many of you are familiar with this scripture. Um, It's a Psalm of David. David said there, um, I would have fainted unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I would have fainted. That means I would have lost courage because in the very next verse, it talks about courage. He said, wait on the Lord, be of good courage. So he said, I would have fainted. That means I would have lost my courage. I would have lost my confidence. I would have lost my strength. I would have lost my graces unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. This is very, uh, this is very pertinent to this season that all of us find ourselves in. Wherever you are, whatever uh, your own situation is, there's just so much turbulence, just so much disturbance and so much, you know, uncertainty. And um, these things can be very unsettling. <laughs> they can unsettle you if you are not careful. If you don't, if you don't, um, in, the, in the New Testament, it's a, it's a guard, guard up the loins of your, of your minds. I think that's, that's what Paul used to say. Or Peter, one of them. Guard up the loins of your minds. Like, don't let your mind run amok. Don't let your mind begin to play games on you. Don't, don't, you know, the mind is like elastic. It's, it will stretch if you let it stretch. And it will be compressed if you let it be compressed. You determine, in one scripture, Paul said, I said, our heart is enlarged towards you. And uh, as much as you can stretch your mind and your heart is as much as God can feel it. So if you can really stretch, sometimes people think, oh, I'm at my breaking point right now. I can't take anymore. It's like, this is the last, this is, but you know, if you just stretch that mind a little bit more, you find that you can actually take much more than you thought you could. Um, David said, I would have fainted unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. David had a confidence. You know that in verse 4 of that same psalm, he said, uh, in this will I be confident. I will be confident. I will be confident. Your confidence in God opens up the possibilities of your life and destiny. Your confidence in God opens up the possibilities of your life and destiny. I, I noticed that when, you know, just as the Holy Spirit, uh, you know, kind of ushered us this year and we've learned different things and focused on different things, um, you know, suddenly this weekend, as you know, I just looked at all the different things that he quickened in my heart to minister today for prayer and on Sunday. And I'm finding this, you know, I'm finding a common thread there. It's just possibilities possibilities and it wasn't planned actually it wasn't planned I didn't I didn't come like you know sometimes when you want to uh you want to put a study together on a subject and you say I just want to uh, study possibilities 
And so then you start going through the word of God, searching and studying on possibilities. And you write all the different scriptures on possibilities. You put them together. Um, that, that was not this at all. This was just, this was just, I just looked, I saw that, you know, the teaching on prayer, the, the message, the teaching on, um, on, on, on Sunday, a lot of it just has a lot to do with possibilities. Um, and, and I then realized that, of course, when the Lord gave us our theme for the year, uh, it's harvest, joy, open doors, possibilities, overflow. And without a plan, really, uh, you know, I found out that we've talked a lot about harvest. We've talked a lot about joy this year. I'm just finding as I'm looking back now, you are just really without a plan. It's not like you sat down somewhere, you're putting it together. Um, We've talked a lot. Uh, um, uh, open doors, I think, is 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 on the way. Um, and we've talked about overflow. I think one of our services was actually themed overflow earlier in the year. Um, and then I saw that uh, the Lord is giving us this weekend as a weekend of possibilities. Amen. Amen. So I am very very excited Amen. about it. I'm very excited about it. Uh, your confidence in God opens up the possibilities of your life and destiny. Your confidence in God opens up the possibilities of your life and destiny. And um, confidence is greatly expressed in prayer. One of the ways we express confidence in God is in prayer. Um, you can tell how much confidence someone has in God by listening to how they pray. The way somebody prays reflects how much confidence they have in God. And many times when the Lord, there were things going on in the lives of the disciples, and you know they reacted some particular way, and the Lord came on the scene, a lot of times he asked them, where is your faith? You know, you could tell they didn't have confidence. They didn't have confidence. And your confidence is one of the greatest keys that unlocks the possibilities of your life and your destiny. Confidence is one of the great ways in which it's expressed is in prayer. And confidence, the Bible tells us, has a great recompense of reward. So we know confidence is expressed greatly in prayer in 1 John 5. 14 and 15, if you've joined us um, for some of our teachings on prayer, um, if you are at home um, or wherever you are, if you're online with us, um, it may not really be as, you know, um, as, um, what's the word? You mean, you know, it's easier to be in the room. You know, that's just easier always. But I did pray for everyone that would join us just because the Lord wants us to minister this word and I pray that you get understanding. So it's not really I'm not I'm not gonna shout, I'm not I'm not screaming my head off, I'm not I'm not whooping I'm not kicking, I'm I'm not rolling on the ground, I'm not jumping until my head touched the ceiling. I just I just want to just talk to you and teach. So please, if you are home, if you're online with us, find a way to keep yourself alert because it's easier if you are in the room. But again, you know, we can't 
we, we couldn't have everyone in the room. Um, and so I pray that the Lord will, will grant you understanding as we go along. Amen? amen. I said amen. amen. So in 1 John 5, 14 and 15, the Bible does tell us about confidence there. He said, this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, what happens? He hears us. He hears us. And if we know, uh, if we know that he hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petition that we desired of him. Notice how confidence, um, how confidence can change the flavor of your praying. Notice how confidence can affect even your expectation when you pray. With, when there's lack of confidence, the way you pray is very different. But when you, when you pray with confidence, see, he says, we know. Look at the kind of terms he's using there. What, whatsoever, he puts every, whatsoever, anything. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. This is, this is John, the apostle, who's writing here, but almost sounds a little bit like, um, like the Lord Jesus Christ. You remember? In Mark chapter 11, I think is, uh, I'm not sure, verse 23, 24. Whatsoever therefore you desire when you pray. Mark, Mark 11, is it 24? 20, 23, whatsoever he said. Whatsoever you desire. When you pray, believe that you have them. And then what will happen? You shall have them. Well, the, John almost sounds like him. It's the same confidence with which Jesus was, was ministering that John is speaking here. In 1 John 5, he says that, he says, this is the confidence that we have in him. That we know we ask anything according to his will. He hears us. Amen. And if we know he hears us, then what? <laughs> then we know we have the petitions. That we know we have the petitions. You don't go into that place of prayer without knowing, with a sense of assurance, that the Lord hears you. And the Lord is paying attention to what you are praying. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. You know, a lot of people approach prayer almost like, you know, like maybe, maybe not. It's like a game of prob- probabilities. I don't know. You know, who knows what the Lord does. That, that, that attitude is not in this scripture. He says, we know. With confidence and assurance. We know. And whatsoever. Amen. Amen. So confidence is greatly expressed in prayer. And confidence has a great recompense of reward in Hebrews 10, 35. It tells us that uh, we shouldn't cast away our confidence because our confidence has a great recompense of reward. That is, just let's put it in modern English. Your confidence guarantees your reward. As long as you have confidence in God and in his word, your reward is on the way. As long as you have confidence in God and his word. What am I referring to for the... For the purpose of this teaching tonight, what am I referring to as your reward? Your reward is your payback. Your reward is the outcome you are seeking. Your reward is the recompense. Is the, your, your reward is what is owed you. It's owed you because you asked the Lord in faith. 
And Jesus said, whatsoever you desire, when you pray, believe that you have them. And you shall have them. So it is already owed to you. It is already owed to you. And the Bible says God is not a debtor to any man. God does not owe. That's why in this same scripture, he says, he says, um, he says, he that will come, will come. I think he's somewhere after this, he says, after this, um, this verse. He that will come, will come. For yet a, that's it, thank you, verse 37. Yet a little while, he that will come, will come, and he will not tarry. Um, go on to the next verse. Now the just shall live by faith. And if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. So God doesn't owe, you are owed. Your reward is what you are owed by virtue of what what the, the transaction you did with the Lord in faith based on his word. If you serve the Lord, like based on his word, if you serve the Lord. Now, I, mean, I know many times there are a lot of scriptures that we limit to, to giving. We say, oh, that has to do with giving. That's, yeah, give, give and it shall be given unto you. Luke 6.38, good measure, press down, and shaking together, running over shall men given to you. And it's true. But you have to stretch your mind a little bit and understand that the, the Lord always works with principle. Everything you do for God qualifies you for a reward. Amen. Everything Amen. you do for the Lord. You remember that scripture, I believe, is in a, is it Hebrews 6, 10? Or where, where, where it says, God is not unrighteous to forget your labor of love in that you have ministered to the saints and you still minister. He is not unrighteous. Anything you do for the Lord, we always think in terms of, you know, if we give, the Lord will bless us. And he will. Yeah, that's true. If you give finances. And, but just forget about finances tonight. Think about the principle of the word of God. Anything you do for the Lord, uh, the Lord will remember you. The Lord will remember you. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. One time he sent uh, his servant Isaiah. I said, go and tell Hezekiah. You know, you, you know put your house in order. Because you're about, you're, you're, you're going to leave. This sickness is going to take you out. The Bible says that Hezekiah faced the wall. And he started praying. He started, he started crying. He said, Lord, remember what I did. And he started reminding the Lord what he did. And the Bible says Isaiah, the prophet, was still in the hallway. After he delivered the message. And the Lord called him in the hallway. He said, go back and tell him, I've given him 15 more years. Just think about that. I mean, just within a few minutes. Just within a few minutes. God changed his own verdict. His own verdict, he changed it. Because somebody reminded him. He said, remember what I've done for you, Lord. And Ezekiah started talking about it. And you read a lot in the Old Testament. Many of those people, those servants of God, they will say, like in Nehemiah many times, Lord, remember me. Lord, remember me. Let me tell you something. It is impossible for you to serve God fully outside with all your heart and not ask him to remember you. Yeah. It's just impossible. 
See, when you serve the Lord, not like, you know, you are doing it for some reason or the other. You are, no, no. You are doing it with all your heart. It is impossible for you not to say, Lord, remember me. Remember me. So the Lord, so you are owed. The recompense of your reward is what you are owed. That reward is already there. It exists. And the Bible is telling us out of Hebrews 10.35 that the one thing that determines whether your reward is delivered to you or not is your confidence. He said, don't throw away your confidence because your confidence has what? A great recompense of reward. I, I think we better check if some people are cold. Uh, maybe we should reduce the air. If some, anybody's cold, okay, you're all good. All right. If, if you're uh, you all good, then that's good. I'm, I'm perfect. But, but, usually, but usually, when usually when I'm perfect, I know it's, it's because the place is cold. So some people may be cold. So I, please don't, I don't want you to suffer in silence. If you are cold, please get something. We're not going to... I won't change the, we can change the air for you if you are really uncomfortable. But So your confidence is very important. If you, don't, if you don't cast away your confidence, your recompense or your reward will show up. I just want to say to everyone who has served the Lord, everyone who has ever served the Lord, every one of us, who has ever served the Lord. Uh, some serve where, you know, people can see. Some serve where nobody can see. But for everyone who, who has served the Lord, you are owed. And God does not owe any man. So your reward is already set up for you. Your reward is already waiting on you. So I, I'm just asking you, please, don't throw away your confidence. Because sometimes... People lose confidence because it is delayed. Because the reward doesn't come as quick as they, they want. So they lose confidence. David said, I would have fainted unless I believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I don't care. As a matter of fact, I don't care what I see. I don't care what I experience. I believe. I say this all the time. I believe that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I don't care what I see. I don't care what I hear. I don't care what I experience. I don't care what's going on in the world. I don't care. I don't care. I believe that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Before it's all said and done, before we wrap it up, and live here, I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I will see it. I will enjoy it. I will partake of it. The goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I just want to say to someone out there, whatever you have done for the Lord, however you have served the Lord, you will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. This will not, this thing will not be wrapped up until your reward manifests. Your reward has to manifest. Every little thing, every sacrifice you've made for the Lord, every 
time you've gone, gone out of your way to do something for the Lord that other people weren't doing but cost you something and you, you yielded to the Lord. It wasn't convenient. It took you out of your comfort zone but you did it for the Lord anyway. I want you to know your reward will manifest. You will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Can somebody say amen? amen. Hallelujah. I say hallelujah. Glory to God. If you don't throw away your confidence, your reward will manifest in due season. In due season. What does that scripture say in Galatians? I think it's Galatians chapter 6. I I didn't check this. It's just coming to me now. What's that scripture? God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, he will reap. And then what's that scripture where he said, um, I better look for it somewhere in Galatians 6. <laughs> hallelujah. Amen. I said, Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Mm-hmm. Hallelujah. Mm-hmm. Hallelujah. hallelujah. Glory be to God. That's it. That's it. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Verse 9. Thank you, Lord. Let us not be weary. Mm, 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 mm. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season, we shall reap. If we faint not, that's the recompense of your reward. <laughs> that's the recompense of your reward. Glory to God. Amplify says, let us not lose heart and grow weary and faint in acting nobly and doing right. For in due time, at the appointed season, we shall reap. If we do not loosen and relax our courage and faint. Your due season is on the way. I said your due season is on the way. So as long as you don't throw away your confidence in God, and as long as you don't throw away your confidence in his word, you will reap your reward. I said you will reap your reward. You will see the goodness of the Lord. Keep in mind, Satan is doing everything in his power to try to steal and destroy your confidence in God. He's doing everything. A lot of what we experience, and I know you've heard me say this before. If you've heard a few messages I've ministered on in the area of confidence, you've heard me say this before. A lot of the things we experience, we experience because Satan is trying to steal our confidence. He's trying to steal it and he's trying to destroy it. Because he knows the value of your confidence in God. He knows the value of your confidence in God. See, God... God has his part. God can keep you alive. Like Caleb said, I was only 40 years old. When, when Moses, the man of God, uh, spoke this promise. And it was the Lord, actually, who was making the promise. And the Lord was saying, for all the children of Israel, all of them, they would not, they would not reap that reward. He said, only Caleb. Can you just put up for me real quick? I might look at it on Sunday. Hebrews, uh, sorry, Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 1, I think it's 35. Deuteronomy, and if you can just put it up on the amplifier, that'd be good. Deuteronomy 1, I think it's 1, 
35. He says, not one of these men of this evil generation shall see that good land which I swore to give to your fathers. Now go to the next verse. Except Joshua, of course, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh. He shall see it. And to him and his children, I will give the land upon which he has walked. Why? Because he wholly followed the Lord. (laughs) As the recompense of reward. He said, none of these people will see. He said, but Caleb, and he put Joshua, of course, Joshua, of course. But Caleb, the son of Jeff, he will see it. And of course, then you know, in, um, in Joshua chapter 14, later on, Joshua was telling Moses, he says, uh, was, excuse me, Caleb was telling Joshua, he says, you know when, how the Lord promised this. And he said, now the Lord has kept me alive. These 45 years or 40 years, I think it's 45 years, he said, 45 years. He's kept me alive. He says, and, and today I'm strong going out and I'm strong coming in, just like I was 45 years ago. So you see, God did his part. God kept him alive. God kept him alive. And God also made sure that the reward was still there. But it took Caleb saying, give me this mountain. I want this mountain. I have, this is my mountain. The Lord promised me this. Hallelujah. See, notice it wasn't the Lord. The Lord did his part. The Lord promised. He prophesied. He gave him, he said, you will reap this. Joshua, you you already read that in Deuteronomy 1. He said, all of this, they are all going to say, but, but Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, you are going to inherit the land. This land, you are going to inherit the land that I promise you because you holy, because he wholly followed the Lord. Now, the Lord did his part by keeping him alive, giving him strength. You know what it took? Well, all these people were dying out. God kept Caleb alive. 45 years. I mean, everybody in his generation died out other than Joshua. Everybody that they knew. And yet, when the, when the time came, the Lord didn't say, okay, I kept you alive. I've, I've, the reward is there, so it is automatic. You No, it had to be, Caleb now said, okay, give me my reward now. Give me my reward now. Hallelujah. Amen. I said, hallelujah. Amen. And he, he, he demonstrated that confidence in God's promise. And with faith, he demanded the mountain. Give me. Give me this mountain. And of course, you know that mountain, just like giants, represent possibilities in our future as well as the obstacles that seek to stop us from getting there. You know that's what mountains represent, right? You know that's what giants represent. They represent the possibilities in our future as well as the obstacles that seek to stop us from getting there. And Caleb said, give me this mountain. (laughs) And, uh, you you know, you can read the rest of that. But this mountain, this territory that used to be called a a territory of giants, it was called Kiriath, Kiriath 
Abba or something they called it. That's like, they called it the city of giants. This territory now became called Hebron. And Hebron is the city of Caleb. He took it. After the Lord gave it, he took and drove out all the giants. And he occupied the land. His confidence in God eventually manifested his reward. Hallelujah. I said, hallelujah. So Satan is doing everything in his power to try to steal and destroy your confidence in God and his word. Don't let him. Don't let him. (laughs) You've heard me say this if you followed any of the Wednesday teachings on prayer. Satan will work very hard on stealing and destroying your confidence. He will create cycles of disappointment and failure to imprint that image in your heart and in your mind. So that when you come to prayer, you, can't, you don't have confidence. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> but your confidence is what guarantees your reward. Okay, let's keep moving on here. Every promise and every prophecy in the word of God is fulfilled on the wings of prayer. Every promise and every prophecy in the word of God is fulfilled on the wings of prayer. See, the fact that God wants to do something and the fact that God promised you something and the fact that God prophesied something about your future does not make it automatic that that will happen. Sometimes a lot of believers trip up in this area. They don't understand this. They think, well, the Lord promised it. The Lord prophesied it. Prophesied it. The Lord said it. And, and yet, you know... Um, it doesn't happen automatically because the will of God is not automatic. Every promise and every prophecy in the word of God is fulfilled on the wings of prayer. And if you just put up for me, please, 1 Timothy 1.18 in the message. You know, Paul was telling Timothy, you remember all these prophecies um, that went ahead of you. That you have a responsibility and a duty um, to do something with it. All these prophecies and prayers and you're supposed to wage war with it. In 1 Timothy 1 and 18, you see that in the message. It says, I'm passing this work unto you. Um, is that where we are? 118, is that what it is? Um, um, 1 Timothy 118. Maybe 18. Let me see 118. Can you try 18, please? Hallelujah. That's not it. One second. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Let's find it. You are supposed to wage warfare. Yeah, 118. It is 118. Is that the message? Maybe I missed the translation then. I'm passing this work on to you, my son Timothy, the prophetic word. Yeah, you're right, actually. I'm sorry. I'm passing this work unto you, my son Timothy. The prophetic word that was directed to you prepared us for this. All those prayers are coming together now, so you will do this well, fearless in your struggle. Now, of course, put that up in the King James. It tells you, remember all the prophecies that have gone ahead of you. With them, you are supposed to wage a good warfare. Where are you supposed to wage that good warfare? In prayer, in the activities of your faith. 
And that's how you bring the prophecies to, to, come, uh, to pass. This charge I commit unto you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies that went before on you, that by them you may wage a good warfare. Hallelujah. So the will of God is not automatic. Just the fact that the Lord promised or prophesied something. I've just shared, we've just read Caleb now. The Lord promised. But Caleb said, okay, now, give me this mountain. Amen. Amen. Remember Daniel, in Daniel chapter 10, said he was looking in the books and he saw that the time was, so he started praying. Because he says, why, this, something's supposed to be happening right now that's not happening. And when he started praying, um, things changed. Things changed. The more effectual your prayer life is, the more dynamic power is made available to you. The more effectual your prayer life is, the more dynamic power is made available to you. A lot of believers don't understand that when, when, when they are lazy in the place of prayer, they are shortcutting the rewards that have been prepared for them in God. If you are lazy in the place of prayer, if you don't elevate prayer to the place it should have in your life, and many times believers say, I'm just so busy. You know, pastor, I'm so busy. I understand. I understand we live in a very busy world, busy times. But you, all, you have to remember always, you are a house of prayer. You are a house of prayer. Your primary assignment, one of the primary assignments the Lord has given you is prayer. Prayer. Out of you is supposed to flow rivers of prayer. Rivers of prayer. It's one of your assignments. You can't, you can't um, give that up because of other pursuits. You cannot. You can't exchange them because that will cost you. You will, you will lose. You will lose major elements of the reward that God has for you, that is prepared for you. Effectual, the more effectual your prayer life is, the more dynamic power is made available to you. Amen. Of course, we all know James 5, 16. Effectual, fervent prayer of the righteous. availeth much. In the Amplified, you know, it says, the, the, the uh, effectual, continued, heartfelt prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available. That is dynamic in his work. Well, all of that comes through being, having an effectual prayer life. Comes through having an effectual prayer life. Some people, when it comes to prayer, they are, they are, they are most inconsistent. Most inconsistent. There are seasons when they are really on fire in prayer. And then there are other seasons they are just MIA completely. <laughs> totally MIA. And what happens is you dissipate. Because when you are effectual in prayer, you are building. 
you are building, you are building, you are building. And then suddenly you go MIA and everything you built dissipates. So, effect to, to have an effectual prayer life makes dynamic power available yeah. to you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Prayer changes things. Prayer changes things. No matter the obstacle, no matter the difficulty, no matter, this is a weekend of possibilities. Prayer will change impossibilities. Prayer will turn around impossible situations. Hallelujah. And every single one of us, all of us are endowed with impossibility we're supposed to change. And one of the ways we change them is through prayer. Like Caleb was promised this mountain and he demanded it. All of us are promised mountains. All of us. And some, unfortunately, before they leave this planet, will never, they won't even cross, (laughs) they won't even cross the little streams they are supposed to get over before they they find their first mountain. As, as you walk with the Lord, there are giants and mountains on your way that re- represent the possibilities of your destiny. David will never have made it to the palace of the king without Goliath. It's impossible. David will not have the story he had in the Bible if not for Goliath. As good a man as he was, as awesome a man, he was skillful, anointed, graced. There was a time they were looking for someone who could play music. When the, when the demonic spirits came upon the king, they found him. They said, a man, God is with him. They, they gave all the qualities. God must be with him. He must be skillful. He must be this. He must be the Holy Spirit. And they found David. And when David started to play that thing, all the devils left the king. As anointed as that man was, his destiny would still not have been fulfilled without the Goliath. All of us, and, and unfortunately, many believers never really, never, never really even arrive at the bottom of, at the foot of their mountain. They never even get there. Like, like Caleb got there and said, give me this mountain. I arrived. Give me my mountain. Amen. Hallelujah. I've learned now to embrace obstacles and Embrace difficulties. Embrace. Hallelujah. 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 I don't know. I don't know who this was for. I know it wasn't for me, but you know, the Holy Spirit played uh, played a quick one on me. Gave me two scriptures in First Peter yesterday, and I thought these two scriptures were sitting right next to one another. Actually, they were not. One of them was in chapter 4, the other was in, chap- in chapter 5, and he, he gave them like, he was coming out like the same way, he says, you know, if, I think First Peter 4, I'm not sure if it's, it's verse 12, think it not strange concerning the fiery trials that will try you, as though something strange happened to you. Don't think it's strange. But, you know, it's almost like when he gave me that scripture and it flowed into my spirit, 
it was like then the next verse was like he said, remember that the same, um, the, the same uh, afflictions are accomplished in your brethren all over the world. I found that that was First Peter five eight. <laughs> or nine or something. Five eight is it five nine? But but when he put it together, it was like a complete message for somebody. I don't know who that is. Think it not strange concerning the fairy trials that will try you, as though something strange happened to you, like. You are experiencing something like nobody in this world has ever experienced. No. He says, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in the lives of your brethren all over the world. That is, some people already dealt with it. That mountain that looks so mighty to you, somebody already moved it. <laughs> but the way the enemy presents it, he presents it as though this mountain has n- nobody has ever seen this kind of mountain before. <laughs> like, Lord, who has ever dealt with this kind of problem? Nobody has ever dealt. No, but it's not true. Think it not strange concerning the fairy trials. He calls it fairy trials. That will try you as though something strange happened to you. Like, this is so big, nobody has dealt with it before. Oh, no, no, he said no. Knowing that the same afflictions, there's somebody else somewhere who has dealt with this before. And they came out. And if they came out, you will come out. (laughs) If they came out, you will come out. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let that give you some confidence. Let that give you some confidence. Let's try to move on and try to close this so we can spend a few minutes in prayer. Let's just take a couple of minutes here and talk about this this river of prayer. If you keep raising the river level of your prayer, and if you go from sprinkles to springs or streams, to rivers, <laughs> the Lord will set you up in a place where you can decree a thing and it becomes established to you. Yes. He will bring you to a place where you can decree things and they become established to you. Yes. Yes. Understand though, this doesn't happen just through sprinkles of prayers. So that thing we do a lot of times, many of us, we build, we build, we build, we build, and we're so effectually, so, so effectual, so, and then we become MIA and lose everything and nothing. That river level, in fact, it never becomes a river. It stays a sprinkle, 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 and then it just washes away. But if you keep raising the river level of your prayer and you go from sprinkles, I call what I describe as sprinkles is this. You know this thing we do every now and then you just remember to pray and you pray. Every now and then you remember you pray. 
But it's not consistent, it's not effectual, it's not fervent, it's not all these things we've talked about prayer. And for a few weeks now, we've discussed prayer on Wednesdays. Uh, you know, I, was, I didn't think we were going to do that at the time, but I started feeling this unction after we took time to pray for the nation. Look at some of the things we learned about. We talk about confidence in prayer. Talk about praying according to the will of God. Talked about leaning, learning to lean on the Holy Spirit in prayer. We talk about the place of meditation in the Word of God. <laughs> because meditation in the Word of God is what the, it gives the Holy Spirit something to quicken in your heart when you pray. When you are an empty vessel and you don't have, you have, you have an empty war chest where the word of God is concerned. When the Holy Spirit comes, you say, Holy Spirit, come, come, Holy Spirit, help me. And then he comes. What the Holy Spirit quickens, what he uses in the life of a believer is the word of God. When we don't meditate the word of God, and we don't have a rich reservoir that the Holy Spirit can use to quicken us when we pray. A lot of times our prayers are like dead batteries. You know sometimes when you're trying to start a car in the winter, and maybe you haven't run it for a few days, and then... As everything is there, the key is there, ignition is there, battery is connected, engine is functional, but you turn the thing and you are just saying, nothing is really happening. It's because that battery is run down. It, can't, it cannot kick that engine. So when you lack the word, when you fail in the place of meditating the word regularly, you are like a run-down battery. When the Holy Spirit comes, he says, Holy Spirit, help me pray, help me pray. When he comes, what he needs to quicken is the word. But then now you don't have the word. So he can't quicken and he can't start that engine. Learning to lean on the Holy Spirit, meditation in the word, Remembering that you are a house of prayer and prayer is your primary assignment. Keeping in mind the order of prayer. The order of prayer, remember? Train yourself not to always start out your praying for yourself. Don't be so consumed by your needs that when you come into the place of prayer, you are the first person on your mind. The passion, all the passion. You, you expend all that passion just praying for yourself and your needs. How do you think the Lord sees you when you do that? How do you think he sees you? He sees you as this self-centered person who thinks they are the only person in the world. But when you prioritize the order of God in your praying, you come into your place of prayer, you know you're about to pray, but you start out praying for God's interests first. God's interests and God's people. Don't tell me you don't know God's people. You know somebody yes. who is God's people. <laughs> well, I know myself, not yourself. Somebody else who is God's people. That's who we need you to pray for first. Amen. And if you can't think of anybody, you can't remember anybody at all, just remember me. Pray for me. <laughs> just remember me. Amen. Hallelujah. 
Remember the order of God. Pray for God's interests and God's people. Pray for other people's interests. Pray for other people and their interests. Like people that you know. Like you recognize, oh, there's this person I heard about. There's this person. Or names that the Lord brings you, faces the Lord brings to you from time to time. You know, all of us have this. Because the Holy Spirit will bring you people. Bring people to you. And say, this person. And so when you pray for those people, and you intercede for then you get to your needs. And then you pray for your needs. You pray for your loved ones, your own people, your interests, their interests. I tell you, you find prayer to, prayer becomes easy. It becomes a flow, a river that you can swim in. Hallelujah. And then we talked about effectual fervent prayer. Prayer that is heartfelt, continued, hot, combustible. Amen. Now, the more you practice these principles, the more you will go from sprinkles of prayer to streams and springs. And eventually, those streams and springs will become rivers. Hallelujah. Glory to God. (laughs) Mm. Mm, 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 Hmm. Go with me quickly. Let me. Are you still there with us at home? Yeah. Hallelujah. I don't have too much drama tonight, so no more screaming or yelling or. But the word of God is so powerful, and if you let it, it will do something amazing in your life, like it's doing in ours right here. I can just, I can just see the Holy Spirit just taking things and doing things as we go through His word. Amen. Go to Ezekiel chapter 47. <clears throat> Hallelujah. I don't have too much time, so I'm just gonna abbreviate this and have us read it from the have us read this from the amplified and move on real quickly. I like to think of this vision that God gave Ezekiel in terms of the different levels of the Holy Spirit's grace. And different levels of prayer, although its full interpretation is far more expansive than that. So let me say that again. I like to think of this vision God gave Ezekiel in terms of the different levels of the Holy Spirit's grace and how that grace works in our lives. Grace, blessings, and different things. And the different levels of prayer, although the full interpretation of this vision is far more expansive than that. So I just want to say that so... Um, you at least you have stretch your mind and stretch your heart. Okay, all right. Let's let's go together and let's read. Let's read it from the amplifier. So just look on the screen there. Then he, my guide, brought me again to the door of the house of the Lord, the temple. I like it. In the King James, it doesn't tell us the the, the temple. It just tells us the house. That's but I love the amplifier because it's the temple, and we are houses of prayer. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said, my house shall be called the house of prayer. Amen. He said, and behold, waters issued out from under the threshold of the temple towards the east. For the front of the temple was towards the east. And the waters came down from under, from the right side of the temple on the south side of the altar. Then he brought me out by way of the north gate. And he led me around outside to the outer gate by the way that faces east. 
And behold, waters were running out on the right side. That's what I describe those as sprinkles. These waters were issuing out of the temple. They were coming out of the temple. But they were sprinkles. They were sprinkles. And in verse 3 it says, And when the man went on eastward with the measuring line in his hand, he measured a thousand cubits, and he caused me to pass through the waters, waters that were ankle deep. When you have a lot of sprinkles, these sprinkles of water, it eventually gets to your ankle. And if you are not careful, this is what I'm really emphasizing, growing and raising the level of your praying. Because especially in the Western world, many of us have a tendency of feeling like when we pray a little, we really feel like we have really prayed. <laughs> and the reason we feel that is because we usually don't pray. We don't have a prayer life. So, some day, like on a Saturday when, you know, you sleep in a little bit and maybe, you know, maybe you are not working that day and then you decide, okay, I'm going to pray for 30 minutes today. I'm going to pray for 20 minutes. And you may not even set the time, but many different things come to your mind. You pray powerfully, passionately, and you feel really good about it. You feel, wow, praise God, praise God, I really prayed. You feel like, wow, I really prayed. And you did pray. But actually, the reason it feels that big to you is because that's the first time you have prayed like that in a long time. If you prayed like that every day, every single day, and you prayed like that again on a Saturday, you won't feel like you prayed much. But if you don't pray regularly, and then that day you are able to give a little time of prayer, and you really felt the Holy Spirit. You, I mean, you felt passion, power. When you get up from there, you feel like, wow, I can move mountains. You can't. <laughs> the, 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 the giant will swallow you. Don't try it. <laughs> the reason you feel that is because you have prayed for a whole month. You haven't prayed. <laughs> every, every day you don't pray. But finally, this one Saturday... Out of three months, you whoo, then you feel like I can move mountains. You can't. Don't try it. <laughs> so what we need to do is we need to repeat that more frequently and more regularly. Yes. Using these principles that we are learning on how to grow and become more effectual in prayer. We need to reproduce it more and do more, 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 more. Because the more of it you do is like practice. Practice makes perfect and permanent. The more of it you do, the more prayerful you become. And that water will go from your ankle and it will move up to your knees. It will move up to your knees. Let's read this. I'll try to move this quickly so I can close this out. Can you guys still, can you last a few more minutes? Can you? Does any of you, is any of you working tonight? Are you, no? Okay. So, we'll, we'll try to wrap this up. Are you working tonight? Those of you at home. 
And it caused me to pass through the waters, waters that were ankle deep. Verse 4. Again, he measured a, a thousand cubits and caused me to pass through the waters, waters that reached to the knees. Again, he measured a, a thousand cubits and caused me to pass through the waters, waters that reached to the loins, the waist. Verse 5. And afterward, he measured a thousand and it was a river that I could not pass through. For the waters had risen. Waters to swim in. A river that could not be passed over or through. Now I want you to see something about this river. I want you to see something about this river. In verse 8. <laughs> then he said to me, These waters pour out towards the eastern region and go down into the Araba, the Jordan Valley, and on into the Dead Sea. I want you to pay attention to this now. This river flows out of the temple and it goes to the Dead Sea and this river brings the Dead Sea back to life. And when they shall enter into the Dead Sea, the Sea of Putrid Waters, the waters shall be healed and made fresh. There's no living animal or fish or anything in that dead river, in that dead sea. But when this water, this river flows from the temple and it flows into that dead sea, everything comes alive. Everything. He said in verse 9, and wherever the double river shall go, <laughs> I love it, every living creature which swarms shall live. And there shall be a very great number of fish. Because these waters go there, that the waters of the sea may be healed and made fresh. And everything shall live wherever this river goes. Everything shall live wherever this river goes. Everything. In fact, let's read one more, one more verse there, verse 12. It says, and on the banks... Of the river, on both of his sides, there shall grow all kinds of trees. <laughs> For food, their leaves shall not fade, nor shall their fruit fail to meet the demand. Each tree shall bring forth new fruit every month. These supernatural qualities being because their waters came from out of the sanctuary and their fruit shall be for food and their leaves for healing. I want you when you have time to seal this seal this concept of your prayer becoming a living river. 
going from sprinkles to springs to rivers of living water that bring life wherever they go. Do you know there is no impossibility that prayer can change? No impossibility. There is nothing that the power of God can do through prayer. I don't care how long the Dead Sea has been dead. When the river of life comes there, every dead thing within that sea comes alive. It's one of the reasons why prayer is so important in the life of a believer. I know there are so many alternatives we have. There are many other ways we can get to achieve some of the things we want to achieve. But beloved, let me tell you, there is no alternative to prayer. There is no alternative to prayer. Prayer that is effectual fervent. Like James 5 said. James 5. He said when, when that prayer is heartfelt and when it is continued, he says it makes tremendous power available that is effectual. A lot of people in our world, in our society, especially in the Western world, don't understand the power of prayer. Prayer changes things. Prayer can radically change your life permanently forever. Permanently forever. Prayer can radically, permanently change your life. There is nothing that the power of prayer cannot do. There is nothing the power of prayer cannot do. We just need to work our skill. We need to get, become more effectual. We need to raise that level and raise that and, and, and know, learn to pray right. Yes. Not scatter, just be scattering and scattering and scattering and probabilities and maybe, maybe. No, no. Listen, no, none of the things I've said to you today are elements of probabilities. There's assurance. Yes. There's guarantee. When you pray. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Are you ready to pray? Yes, I said, are you ready to pray? Let's let's look at uh, two more verses, two more scriptures, and then we'll we'll pray here. I'll bring Pastor Tino up and then we'll she'll lead us to pray. This river, remember in uh, please put that up for us, John 7, 37 to 39. I really like in the amplified, I like the expression that he uses here. John 7, 37, 37 to 39. Now on the final and most important day of the feast, Jesus stood and he cried in a loud voice, if any man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, who cleaves to me, who trusts and relies on me, as the scripture has said, from his innermost being, shall flow continuously springs and rivers of living water. When the river flows out of the sanctuary, when that river flows out of the sanctuary, it gives life to everything in its path. Notice it says, here he was talking about the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit had not been given. But notice that he also talked about the rivers, springs and rivers. He didn't say one river. So there are rivers of the Holy Spirit. 
And one of the rivers of the Holy Spirit is prayer. One of the rivers of the Holy Spirit is prayer. There are certainly other rivers. There are rivers of joy. Hallelujah. I say hallelujah. Rivers of blessings. Rivers of grace. Rivers of favor. The more, the more we, the more we invest in our prayer life, the more we invest in our prayer life, the more the clouds of heaven get filled with rain. The more we invest in our prayer life, the more we are effectually, the more the clouds of heaven get filled. You know that scripture after, after, um, Elijah, the Bible says in this, um, James 5, and it says, Elijah was a man of like passions. He prayed and there was no rain. Then he prayed again and heaven gave his rain. Uh-huh. Think about this for a minute. But if you go read what happened when he prayed, there was nothing. Nothing. He started praying. He said, go and check. Told his servant, go and check. He said, there is nothing. nothing. Then after a while, he came back and said, there is a, uh, a cloud like the hand of a man. Can you put up for me real quick, Ecclesiastes eleven three, just real quick. He, he said, there's, there's a cloud like the hand of a man. And then he says, oh, go tell the king because... If the clouds be full of rain, they empty themselves upon the earth. And if the tree fall towards the south or towards the north, in the place where the tree falleth, there it shall be. How do the clouds become full of rain? How do those clouds become full of rain? If you are going through a dry season, and God said there will be rain, and the prophet said, I hear the sound of abundance of rain. How do those clouds become full of rain before it forms and the servant can see a cloud like the hand of a man? It's prayer. It's prayer. Prayer fills your clouds. Prayer fills your clouds and releases rain upon the earth for you. I tell you, the more, and I got to close here, the more we understand the efficacy, the power of prayer. And none of us has, none of us has it all cornered. None of us has it all learned. We're all growing in it. Many times I hear believers say, oh, but pastor, you know, I just, I don't know how to pray. Welcome to the club. Because all of us are learning how to pray. But the more we yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit, the more we commit ourselves to this life of effectual praying, the more the Lord walks within us and begins to raise that water level in our lives. Raise that. And then notice this is not, this is not psychedelic professional prayer. Because some people know how to pray psychedelic professional prayers. This is, you know, this is not like, this is not like prayers where you're, you know, where you're just, you're speaking nice language, like nice. Like anybody who hears you while I say, well, he does that man, that, that man prays. Glory to God, that man prays. Whew, that man can pray. But the Lord in heaven, this is empty water, empty clouds. When the Holy Spirit can quicken. This is, this is what I told you. I gave you the example last Sunday. Let me close here. Are you ready to pray, Pastor Tim? I gave you the example last Sunday. Um, I was praying with this gentleman. 
on the phone. On the phone. Here I was, more passionate about what's going on there in their school than I could put into words for him. I couldn't describe it, but I just had this passion within my heart. And I said, let's pray. And then I started praying. I just, oh, jeez, oh, 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 oh. And then as soon as we finish in Jesus' mighty name, amen. Boom, on my phone, boom, text. Ah. So before we said goodbye, I looked, oh, it's a text from the person I'm praying with right now on the phone. And I look, it's a long text. While I was praying, he was typing. Now, that person will call a prayer meeting and say, let's pray. Where do you think those prayers are going? Nowhere. They are not living here. They are not living this plane. So there are many elements missing out of that prayer. And people say, let's pray, let's pray, let's pray. I'm praying for you, I'm praying for you. Yeah, okay. But like the disciples asked Jesus, teach us to pray. So we can pray right. Did you get something tonight? Hallelujah. Hallelujah.